Welcome to They That Hope with Father Dave and Deacon Bob, seeing humor and hope in a crazy world. And I'm Deacon Bob. And I'm Father Dave. Greetings. How are you, man? I'm doing well. It's good to see you in person once again. Oh, that's right. We were not together last week. We weren't. Are your travels done for a bit? Yeah, major travels. You have minor travels? Well, Pittsburgh. I've got to go to Indianapolis. But like when I'm gone for overnight for a couple nights, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I just did my last trip yeah, last you were, week. You were away for a while. Well, we'll talk about this in the second yeah, segment. Yeah. But yeah, I was away at the parish mission, and then a friend, uh, a priest friend of the family's died. And so then I thought I was coming back, and I was going to stay. And then I just got back on a plane and, and took that. But now I'm back for till mid-January. Right. Oh, good. So, no, that'll, so, so that'll be exciting. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'll be here, and then we'll talk about it later. I'm sure I'm going home after Christmas, spend some time with my mom and my brother and my sister and their kids. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, go to the Holy Land. Well, people don't care about us, Father Dave. They just listen for sports. Right. The World Cup is, by the time you hear this podcast, you'll have learned that the World Cup is France versus Argentina. And and it'll happen on Saturday. Tuesday and Wednesday are the games. There's one game Tuesday and one game Wednesday. Yeah. France is playing Morocco and Argentina is playing Croatia. Yep, that's I'm, probably I'm true. betting on France and France and Argentina, but it could go anyway. I mean, there could be a an upset in there. Those were the the games. I think two of the games went to penalty, penalty shootouts. Yeah, yeah, pretty, yeah, Argentina and um, Netherlands and then, the U.S. And, and that got England, feisty. England lost uh, by Kane. Is that his name? Harry Kane, who, who is missed, a, who is one of the best penalty kick shooters. Yeah, he's in, the, in, and he scored the, the most. Yeah. The previous one, he had broke uh, Beckham's record yeah, and then he missed. Yeah. And so I, I like France a lot, to be honest. So I could have gone either way with both of those teams, but my heart broke to lose the game yeah. on a PK. It's just so sad. Yeah. That being said, France was the better team. Um, France controlled the ball better. I mean, the other goal that they had was also a penalty kick. So right, England right, right. never actually... Was that's able right. to hit the that's back right. of the that's net. Right. That's fair. So I, I think the did right you hear that? team hit won. Hit the back of the net. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I like what you did there. Thank you. Yeah. Somebody was saying, um, for all of those of you who are, who enjoy watching World Cup and watching a group of guys run around without any scoring, you should just watch the Denver Broncos. <laughs> oh yeah, and Russell Wilson got really hurt. Did he really? Yeah. Well, the net, the other line was that Russell Williams is Russell, on Wil- Wilson. Russell Wilson. Yes. Is on track to uh, score fewer touchdowns. Then he actually has bathrooms in his home. <laughs> so uh, Broncos are not doing well they're this not, year. They're not doing hot. They're no. not doing well this year. Yeah. The Bucks are still surprisingly at the top of the NFC South. Without having a winning record. Without having a winning record. And oh, my goodness. So they played the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday. You got shut out? Did, uh, they did was, not, they did not, not get shut out. Shut out. Okay, okay. It was 35 to seven. Okay, okay. So they, and actually, they're, they're, the one touchdown they had was like a bobbled in the end zone, bounced off one guy, another guy caught it. So just like they, just like they it. wrote it up. Yeah. So um, this was actually an interesting game because, uh, oh, what's the guy's name? I think his last name is Purdy, the quarterback. Did you hear about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tyler yeah, Purdy. Yeah, yeah. He was he, the insignificant. He was Mr. In, Mr. Yeah. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. The right. last person picked on the NFL draft is now because um, – Whoever got injured and then Garoppolo got injured. And so now they're on their third string quarterback, which is this this kid. Mr. Irrelevant. And he played awesome. Though I thought, and maybe it's because I'm a Buccaneers fan, I thought the the announcers were making it a little, like, too much out of it. Because they kept cutting to his, his family was there. And they kept saying things like, oh, this kid's family's there. And what a great day it is for them. And yeah. wow. It's, it's just like, you know, he didn't, like, overcome cancer. 
he he still got drafted in the end. Like there's like third and fourth rounders that are like, hey, how come nobody ever cut to my family? They're my not rookie Mr. Irrelevant. Year? I guess not. You just didn't have that label that you're overcoming. Right. Yeah. Exactly. 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 And somebody said, is it true that he was born two years after Tom Brady started in the NFL? <laughs> that's, I mean, that's very likely. That's, that's very likely. Right. They always like make a comparison of like quarterback to quarterback. I remember one time somebody was asking Aaron Rodgers about his record against Brady. And he was like, you know, I'm never actually on the field at the same time as Tom Brady. Yeah. I don't look at anything Tom Brady does. I'm only concerned about the defense. Yeah, right. But we still make it like, oh, it's quarterback. You know, they're like, Purdy beat Brady. It's like, well, actually the 49ers defense really, yeah, yeah, yeah. really or, beat Well, Brady. they do the same thing, pitcher versus pitcher, as if yeah. they actually. They should have a pitch. Oh, wouldn't that be great if two pitchers just chucked balls at each other as quickly as possible? No, actually. That, that sounds like banana ball to me. Yeah, you're right. In, in all right. the right ways. You're right. So it does sound like banana I have a ball. grievance, though. So I usually watch my Tampa Bay Buccaneers on DirecTV. That's the only reason I own DirecTV. No offense to DirecTV, but they you can pay for the thing and you get to watch any team you want. And, of course, living in Ohio, the Buccaneers aren't usually on TV. Well, this time it was on national TV. And when it's on national TV, it gets blacked out on DirecTV. Because right, okay. it was the Fox's America's Game of the Week. Nice. And why wouldn't it be? It deserves full attention and credit. Midway through the third quarter, when it became 35 to nothing, I'm watching the commercials, and the next game that's on is the Panthers versus the freaking Seahawks. Oh, because it was a good they game. They switched the game. You, they're not allowed to switch the game. It's America's game of the week. Uh, apparently, it's America's, this is apparently, apparently, it's America's three quarters. So, of because the week. I'm a glutton, I'm like, all right, I'll just go to DirecTV, and guess what? Not there. Blacked out because it's supposed to be America's game of the week. But it's not. It's America's three quarters. Of this the week. is why I'm so glad we have more than four networks. Because okay. now I I want like 53 networks. I want to be able to watch anything going on at any time. Okay, and this in is the, this on is one of Earth. the various things I want to talk about. Another podcast that I was listening to, they were talking about. Was this the Tony Kornheiser yeah, yeah, podcast? Yeah, exactly. Is that yeah. the only other podcast you listen to? Um, on, a, on a regular basis, <laughs> actually, and, and and I want to correct you by by saying only other implies that I listen to ours. So um, fair enough, right? But one of the things he talked about was that you know years ago there was only three or four stations. Actually, he even talked when Fox was local, more of a local station. Right. But, and he said one of the there was a commonality. He this is a common theme for him: a commonality that particular regions of the country had restaurants that you'd only get there, or. Right. Um, dress or clothes or accents and those kinds of things. And one of the things he's saying is that we, we've lost a great deal of that because we're such a, because of internet and online and all right. that, that you have the same restaurants, you have these chains everywhere. So it doesn't matter where you can go, you can get to a Chili's or an Applebee's yeah. or a Panera and that kind of thing. But one of the things he was talking about Red was TV. Robin. Um, yeah, Red we Robin. We need more of those. Okay, I'll look into it. He was talking about television. He said when there was three stations Everybody was basically watching the same thing. Yeah. So he said, I would be at a conference somewhere and there would be people from other parts of the country and you'd have a common thing to be able to talk about. He also said that sports allows that. Um, you know, are you yeah. watching such and such show? And then they got into shows that individuals watched. Growing when they up, were growing up? Well, they got into like Bonanza. Do you remember Bonanza? Or are you too young for that? Well, I know of it, but I was too young for it. Okay. I remember growing up watching Bonanza. Especially in Durango, Colorado. Absolutely. I mean, that, that was like a real life story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Ponderosa? I love that steakhouse. Okay. Um, like what shows did you watch growing up? I remember watching sitcoms. Um, what was your favorite sitcom? Well, there's Family Ties. That was really wow, popular. You were young. Um, I know. And you are old. I know. 
Uh, gosh, I'm trying to think. I'm, Family I mean, Ties was Michael J. Fox. Right. Yeah. Uh, different Strokes. Oh, yeah. You know, I think that was all like the same night. It was like Family Ties, Different Could Strokes. Could you watch TV on, on the school nights when you were growing up? Yes. Like you, we could not. I remember we were very fancy. We had a remote control Ooh. for our TV. It was wired, of wow. course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on my Zenith. Yeah, yeah. But it was it was pretty cool. No, and yeah, you're right. Like waiting, um, you know, like TV shows being released, you just had to wait. I remember when the Star Wars Christmas special was coming out. I like literally was counting down by the minute. My that would have been what, mid-80s? This was probably... Oh, like late seventies, actually. I, okay. was, I was a wee lad, and it wasn't worth waiting for. Yeah, so like, my guess is you watch Mash. I think of growing oh, up. Oh yeah, so, I did. I so watched Mash. Mash was, that was a amazing. show that we yeah. watched. Get Smart was a show that uh, we watched. Yeah. I mean, this was a little bit older. Green Acres was a show. Um, I Beverly, saw some of those on Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills yeah, was yeah, a yeah. show. Yeah, uh, Get Smart was so funny. Oh my gosh, that was a great show. Did you watch it at all? Oh, I loved Get Smart. Dun, dun, Did you see the movie with... Um, yeah, it was very funny. Yeah, there there that, were some funny scenes. I thought that was really well done There were some well. funny scenes. It was just interesting, yeah, just reflecting on that. And, I mean, there's so many things that you can watch. I mean, literally streaming services, oh, hundreds. Yeah. So there's some that obviously become more popular than others and has more of a universal appeal across the country, but not like it was years ago. And, and talking about being old, I had this experience uh, over on Friday night was the last day of classes for the students. So we wanted to have an you know end of the semester party and also end of the jubilee year for the students uh, in, the, in the university. Is that finally done? For the students, yeah. Our, we'll, at the Christmas party, we'll talk a little <laughs> bit about it. But um, it was, we, we had all kinds of food and stuff. It was really fun. And then we watched a movie. We watched the movie It's a Wonderful Life, okay. um, which is your favorite Christmas movie. And, I do actually yeah. love that movie. How many students had seen it, though? Actually, quite a few had not seen it before, okay. and that was kind of fun. But one of the things that was just funny, all right, so George, that's his name? Yes. Okay, Mary's- George is, Bailey. Yeah, and Mary's the gal he marries? Yes. Okay, so they're having the wedding, and when they're walking out of the church, what were they doing? What did the people there do? Um, did they throw rice at them? Yes, they did. Yeah, I figured. Like, why, why is that surprising? Does that not happen anymore? When's the last time you went to a wedding that wow. they threw rice? I guess at my wedding, they threw birdseed at me. Okay. The kids didn't, I asked them about that. They, they'd never been, it was People just People don't few, do that anymore? No, I've done, I don't know how many, I don't, I'm not positive I've ever done, presided do, at a wedding where rice was thrown. Now here's my question. Is that because you do the mass and you're out of there as quick as possible no, 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 through no, the I back also, door? No, do you I like was, stick around for do, like them leaving? Because sure, that absolutely. happens at the end of a reception. No, it happens when they walk out of the church. Oh, you know, I've had it happen. at. I see it often happen at the end of receptions. I haven't I, seen which, it happen there either. Okay. Okay, people that are listening, when's the last time you went to a wedding and they threw rice? Apparently. Right, or birdseed. No, that's not what I said. I said rice. Okay, no, they don't throw rice anymore because it kills the I, turtles. I, I, turtles or birds? Probably birds, yeah. but the plastic but is the yeah, turtles that, that, thing. That, that's my point. I think this is more of an indication of you not sticking around the entire reception. That's not true. That's what I think it is. Well, okay, you can think that, but you're wrong. Okay, well, we'll but find it, out. It, it the was, internet will tell us. Hope at franciscan.edu. It was interesting, though. The kids were like, no, they, they didn't know about that throwing rice and that kind of Sometimes thing. they've done bubbles. I was going to say bubbles. I've, I've Again, that I think we can agree right. that rice is no longer thrown. And I believe that's what I said. But I was saying that there are other things that have been substituted because what birds if, choke on rice. I heard it was like they, they swallow the rice and then... The water gets in there and it expands and that kind of thing. So that's another <laughs> right. Thing so they realized that into. rice wasn't safe for birds, so right. they changed it to something. But else. even that, I, I don't. People aren't. I mean, maybe you could 
throw dodgeballs or throw a wrench or something like that. <laughs> you, if can you can throw a dodgeball, you, you can, can throw, throw a wrench. wrench. But it, no, that, that whole thing of throwing things on the bride and groom, just not something you see much anymore. Do you see a lot of people smushing cake into faces still? It's interesting. This is a pet peeve of my mother. She says, "You, I mean, obviously it's a generalization, but you can tell what kind of marriage this is going to be by oh, really? yeah, right. apparently. <laughs> but no, it doesn't. It happens every now and then, but. It doesn't happen as much. Mm-mm. I think back in the day, there was this passive aggressiveness of like, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna like bury your face. In yeah, the that's sucker. right. That's right. Yeah. Did you do that to Jen, or did she do it to no, you? No, she made it very clear what kind of night I would have if yeah, yeah. I did, in fact, smush. Cake yeah, it just face. there's something about it that doesn't sit well with me. I mean, maybe just a little cute, a little bit frustrating or something. But when they just shove it in their face, I just yeah. When you take like the head and you just yeah, pound yeah, yeah. it into the, the ground, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, I'm it's like an MMA that. kind of vibe. Yeah, maybe so, if two MMA wrestlers married each other. That would be cool to see. Yeah, that would be interesting. Oh, can we go real quick? Um, Friends, Seinfeld, all that. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers was good. Oh, Cheers. But Cheers yeah. was earlier, but those I were love shows. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers Seinfeld was, was a little late. I mean, I watched Seinfeld, but it wasn't like as a kid growing up, I'd watch Seinfeld. Yeah. But I certainly watched Cheers. You see, and you're reminding funny. me now. I a, a, lot of of, a lot of sitcoms and that kind of thing, but. Yeah, that was kind of the time of sitcoms. I'm trying then, to think of the oh, TV Hill Street shows. Blues. Hill Street didn't really Blues. watch that. Hill Street Blues came on. That was popular. I just that didn't care about popular. that. Um, That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. So the, the world has changed. Manimal. Nope. Masquerade. Nope. The A Team. Yes. There yes. you go. Yeah, yeah. Mr. T and. Oh. Yeah. What'd you put in my milk, Hannibal? Oh, yeah. That's really funny. Good stuff. That's great. That's cool. What is that? Yeah, it's just something different. We talk a lot about sports on this podcast. That's just scary how accurate that is. Um, So as the fall semester comes to an end, we'd like to mention the amazing student-athletes at Franciscan University. This fall, both our men's and women's soccer teams competed in the President's Athletic Conference Championships, with the men's team earning the title of conference champions, and the winning goal was scored by... Colby Rice. That's right. Your godson. And my son, I guess. Then a few weeks ago, junior Claire Walters earned an All-American honors at the Women's Cross-Country Championship. Is that Bob Walters' kid? It is. Is that right? From Syracuse. Oh, that's awesome. Shout out to the Walter family. Our student athletes do incredible things, both on and off the field. They encourage their teammates during practices and pray together before games. They truly know they're working not just for gold medals or trophies, but for the glory of God. Franciscan University offers 20 NCAA Division III and varsity sports. Plus, we also offer intramural sports such as kickball and ultimate frisbee. Soon to come, dodgeball. Amen. Learn more or apply at franciscan.edu. That's franciscan.edu. It was cool. We, Franciscan um, University. Esports not allowed. That's right. We we um we just had because of a flood that happened this summer, it damaged our basketball court as well as the racquetball courts. So we just had our first basketball game on the court on Saturday. Oh, the really? Court. It's beautiful. If if you've not seen it, it turned out really really beautiful. Oh, that's good. I mean, that was happening during during one of the conferences. Yes. There was like water yes, it pouring was unbelievable. in. It was oh, unbelievable. My gosh. So the men won. They beat 
University of Pittsburgh, Greensburg, and the ladies lost by maybe uh, 10 points to La Roche. So okay. beautiful court, yeah. beautiful court. We were thinking about putting your face in the middle of the court, but we went with a baron instead. <sighs> yeah. That's probably better. Such is life. Yeah. You Such couldn't, you couldn't afford the image rights. You're not wrong. Yeah. NIL, name and likeness, <laughs> name and likeness. So you're, it wasn't your uncle. He's a cousin, or no? Actually, there was no relation. Okay. Um, but this was so. Uh, this week, last week, I guess, father, a uh, good friend of mine, Father David Weckham, passed away. Father David was a Trappist monk, and for the past thirty plus years, uh, had been the priest serving the uh, hermits of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. That was the uh, order that my aunt, the Bionic nun, so to speak, was mm-hmm. the mother of. So um, there's about. There's about five or six of them living a hermetic life, and he was living with them. He had been a Trappist abbot for a while and just felt the Lord call him into an even more quiet stage of life. And so uh, he was 93 years old. Oh, God bless him. He was one of those guys that was just working till the day he died. I mean, because he, he also loved fixing things and plowing things. I mean, he was the groundskeeper. One of the, sister, one of the new sisters was saying— he was on, you know, he was on his deathbed two weeks ago, and uh, Father David said, "Let me talk to Sister Therese." And so she was thinking, "Wow, you know, he's got something profound to say to the new novice." Right. And he explained how to use the snowblower. There you go. You know, there that was go. that was what was on his mind. He's like, "You really need to make sure that you don't choke it too much because the, you know." That's and, funny. Um, but I thought he was, um, you know, I just figured out. So I mean, good friend. I, I'm really grateful. This last summer, I did a, I hosted the youth conference in Rochester. Minnesota, their hermitage is in Houston, Minnesota, Diocese of Winona. And I got the chance to visit them. I hadn't visited them pre-COVID, really. So I got to celebrate Mass with Father David, or serve Mass with Father David as a, as a deacon. That was a gift. I mean, I just figured he was a fixture, sure, you know, for sure, all time. Sure. Um, and I thought, well, no, not, not a lot of people are probably going to show up to this Mass because he lives, he's a hermit. You know, like, right. who does he hang out with? Well, I guess he was a brilliant canon lawyer. He was on the marriage tribunal for the diocese. He, that whole, all the sisters, they love seminarians and they love priests. They're always praying for them. And so he was the spiritual director for many seminarians. I mean, the, it was mostly clergy and seminarians. Mm-hmm. I mean, the place was really packed beautifully. Uh, bishop Barron gave the homily. He, bishop Barron is the uh, bishop of Winona, and he was there. He didn't have a chance to meet him. He's only been there a few months, mm-hmm. and so he said— he really regretted not meeting him because everybody kept saying, oh, you need to meet Father David, you need to meet Father David. So it was very special. But that was my first Mass. I think that was my first Mass, uh, a priest's funeral Mass. Okay. And it was also my first Mass as a deacon. Okay, cool. You know, which was all all beautiful and amazing things. Okay. And I know we've been talking on the podcast I mean, two. Last yeah. time I think we mentioned it, there was two friars who passed away. Another two. Yeah, friars we've had we've in the past. I think I think one of the friars in the past nineteen days or something like that. We've had four friars pass. Now wow. they're all elderly. One I think one was ninety two. One was ninety three. Father Dominic Scotto, who some of our listeners alumni would certainly know, yeah. and then Father Bob Hills passed right. away about ten days ago. And again, Father Bob was on campus as well, so some of might know him. And then we had a friar uh, pass away. His, his funeral was uh, this morning. Father Ivan. Most of guys, I guess, most of the people didn't know him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then we've had two people that work at the university who passed away. Yeah, um, Mary Zimmerman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thomas worked. So, yeah, it's just been a, it's been kind of a weird. Yeah, it's three weeks. You know, one of uh, our past board members, emeritus board member now, 
I passed away. I'll be going to his funeral on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, it's just, and then in, you know, I personally, dad, we're coming up on the anniversary of my dad's passing. It just mm. kind of, I don't know. There's something, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. It just doesn't make it. On one level, it does make sense how many, literally I can probably nine people in the last couple of weeks that I've had connections to. And then, and then obviously your own right. a situation. I, is it something uh, one of our friends says, I wonder if they know something we don't know. Did we, <laughs> did we miss something? Right. It's, right. Um, Rats but, deserting but a sinking you know, ship. Yeah. Some people, yeah. The holidays, particularly if you've lost loved ones, um, are tough. you know, it's tough. And, yeah. and I'm just, prayed a lot uh, i was able to actually anoint mary just before she passed and mm. and that was just something beautiful to be able to do that and how old was mary 46 I yeah believe. she she worked yeah. at franciscan she was uh, a student at franciscan mm, I. she graduated her dad was a professor here so she's yeah. been connected to the university dr anderson or mr anderson those of you at spanish is his daughter yeah so yeah so we continue to pray uh, for people during this time it's it's obviously advent is a beautiful time uh but this sometimes the holidays make it a little bit more stressful and anxious. Yeah, you difficult. know, one of the one of the coolest things somebody told me when I was, um, you know, right in the aftermath of my father passing, which just that gave me a lot of insight. It was just how much God hates death. You know how sin brought death into the world, and God hates death even more than we do. So much so that He sent His only Son mm-hmm. to die mm-hmm. so that we could have new life. Mm-hmm. And and I've just always found like. I don't know, there's, there's certainly an element of when somebody passes, you know, the, 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 the truth and the piety of it would say, well, that person's in a better place. And sometimes, at least in my own heart, I feel like I'm not allowed to be angry at the loss of a loved one. And then hearing that just kind of freed that emotion in me. Like, you know, and it's okay yeah, to sure. say both, it's awesome that, you know, Jesus redeemed them and that they're saved, and it's horrible that they're not here anymore, yeah. you know? And I, and I think... It's it's both, right? You know. Yeah, I remember that. Be you know that that text uh, from Paul: "Death wears your victory, death wears your sting." I'll tell you where the sting is. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. But but again, in in so so the name of our podcast that that all of that's not to say that we don't have hope, yeah. right? Or or that, but that we're yeah actually we're human, right? We have emotion. There's a sense of loss. I, I reflect on Jesus standing in front and and weeping because of Lazarus. So. Right. It's not to say that we don't have faith. It's not to say that we don't love. It's just the human nature of, of missing people. And yeah, to the degree that the Lord hates death, but it becomes the tool and the instrument for new life for us. So. And and that really gets to the idea of hope not being an emotion, mm-hmm. you know, not being a artificial cheeriness, you know, that we can really weep for friends and lose friends and yet have that hope, you know, in A, them being with the Lord, but also that that's our destiny. Mm-hmm. Like actually the where they are is eternal. Where we are is temporary. You know, it's, you know, the world as we know it is, is passing away. And so this is the blink of the eye experience right, right, right. You know, that we're in right now. It's really the next experience that is the eternal where there's no more tears, no more sorrow, no more death. And that sounds awesome. I actually remember reading somebody talking about our reaction towards suffering and death as a sign that we were made for something more, Mm. you know, just, why don't we just accept it? Why don't we just say, Oh, okay, I'm in pain. That's just the way life is. You know, you see things in the animal world and stuff like that. They're hurt. They don't like being hurt, but that's, you know, you don't see like this esoteric, like what does pain mean? And why would I, why did this happen? And and then that feeling of like, when somebody dies, your feeling, at least my feeling often is that that shouldn't happen. Like people shouldn't, 
people shouldn't die. I should be able to be with people I love forever. And where does that come from? And it, it comes from being made in the image and likeness of God, that we weren't created for death. We were created for eternity. We were created for life. And um, just how beautiful that is. Like, you know, when I feel that pain, that actually makes me think, wait a second, they're in the reality. Mm-hmm. Like, they're in mm-hmm. the eternal. I'm suffering through this mm-hmm. temporary thing. Right, 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 right. You know, but... Um, yeah, there's a veil of tears. Yeah, amen. Yep. So, yeah, just and be aware and attentive to that, and particularly, you know, the friars have been aware of that and been praying for the individuals and continuing to ask the Lord's blessing upon them. Um, yeah. We, we, we go into the holiday seasons, and some people feel guilty. It's like, well... I shouldn't feel bad because it's Christmas. <laughs> yeah. We need to be who we are. Well, and, and what okay. Christmas is, is the Lord coming in the flesh because the only thing he couldn't do in the flesh, the only thing he couldn't do before he was in the flesh was actually die. Yeah. And that's why he became flesh. And we've been talking about the four reasons for the, rec- you know, for the, why the word became flesh. The first was to be reconciled to God. And that nice required, segue. that required his death. Thank you. I'm Nailed a professional. Yep. Uh, the second is that we would know his love, you know, becoming in flesh really was an opportunity to, experience his love in a deep way, as, you know, St. Paul said, that, or as Jesus himself said in John 15, greater love has none than this, that one would give his life for his friends. Well, he couldn't give his life if he wasn't in the flesh, right, right, right. you know, in that sense. And so he became flesh so he could show us the greatest act of love. Yeah. And then the third reason that we're talking about today is that he would become a model of holiness. Number 459, if you're following oh, in your catechism. You. Yes, that's true. Uh, and let me read it for you. The word became flesh to be our model of holiness. The scriptures are quoted here. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. On the mountain of the transfiguration, the Father commands, listen to him. Jesus is the model for the Beatitudes and the norm of the new law, love one another as I have loved you. This love implies an effective offering of oneself after his example. And, you know, the beauty, of, um, the beauty of this idea to be our model of holiness, really, we didn't have an image of what it meant to be holy before Jesus. Uh, it, you know, like, it, I think there's a beautiful humanity in the Old Testament when you look at some of the major figures in the Old Testament. You know, they didn't, you know, they didn't whitewash them. You know, like Moses was amazing. Oh, but then there was that moment at Meribah and Massa, you know, where he took mm-hmm. credit for God's work. And, you know, King David was awesome. Oh, there was that Bathsheba moment, right? You know, like, it's kind of a beautiful thing that the writers of Scripture never felt like they needed to make anybody, quote-unquote, perfect. There's many virtues with which to emulate. But in terms of this idea of what does it truly mean to be holy, we certainly had ideas and we had teachings and we had prophecies, but the Word becomes flesh— so that we have a model of holiness. And that includes our Blessed Mother, because she was preserved beforehand through what Christ would do later so that Christ could come into the world. And so, you know, it's that, I feel like every seven or eight years, you know, what, you know, WWJD comes back, you know, what would Jesus do? And it's kind of silly at times, but there's a profound truth to it, which is to say, as a Christian, we now don't necessarily just look at the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, but it's also asking how holiness is not just a don't do this, but it's a yes. It's a, well, what, what would Jesus do in this situation? And he becomes the way, the truth, mm-hmm. and the life, the mm-hmm. very model by which we can now say, I'm not a disciple of the law as it would be in the Old Testament. I'm a disciple of a person. I'm a disciple of Jesus, and I'm trying to do everything 
as he would do it, or at least certainly as he calls me to do it. Yeah, I like the image, just the wording that, that he uses, is the catechism states, is that he becomes a model of holiness for us. The, the word itself means to be set apart. So the reality, and it's one of the, I think one of the great graces of the Second Vatican Council is this restoration of the universal call to holiness, mm-hmm. that in one sense there was maybe before that, that the priests and the, and the religious, okay, they were called to be holy, but we're just kind of the ladies, just kind of called to do what right. they're supposed to do, be obedient, pay, those kinds of things. Have kids that become priests. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, but, but this call that the Lord has given to each one of us to ultimately be holy, that we're set apart. But when, what I love about this is Jesus becomes that place that we look to for it. We obviously have saints who, who help model that for us, but ultimately he is the way. He is the truth. Yeah. He, so Jesus isn't just a model. He is the model. He's the primordial model of what it is to be holy. But I think when we're, if we're honest, we often have this image of holiness of something, something other than us. I remember one time I was doing a, a men's retreat in Columbus, and I asked, and I would often do something like this, whoever feels holy, go ahead and stand up. Well, nobody nobody will ever stand up because it's like, it's arrogant or you're holy. But this one gentleman, this one particular time stood up, which totally threw me off because nobody ever stands up. And I, let's try to make my point. So at the end of it, he asked me, he comes up to me and goes, what did you say? And I said, well, whoever's holy stand up. He goes, oh, I thought you said whoever's elderly stand up. It's like, no, that's not what I said. But but again, yeah. the, the the thing that's important for us is is that, you know, we've got that image in Isaiah where they look upon the Lord, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Now, we have been baptized into Christ, right? And in, in, in that, we are called to and supposed to be holy, right? Mm. A danger, though, is that when we think of holiness, we think of somebody else, right? Holiness is that person. And and I think part of the conversion and the grace that we need to is, is to recognize that you, by the fact that you're baptized, you have been set apart, and you have been set apart for a purpose, and that is a life of holiness. And we need to, I think, begin to own that, mm. right? It's not just somebody else. It's not just the guy down the street. It's not just, it's it's all of us. Each one of us are called to that. And that idea that now, you know, uh, it's the new law of grace, right? It's not righteousness based on the law. It's righteousness based on grace. And this idea that, you know, holiness isn't just a don't do something. It's not just about the absence of sin, but it's the presence of God in your life, the presence of grace in your right. life. And I think if we see, if we define holiness by what it isn't, which is I don't sin, then I would never stand up and say I'm holy. Yeah, no, no, no. I know some virtuous pagans, right? Yeah, Some right. people who have, don't believe in God, but they live, quote unquote, a virtuous life. But I wouldn't say that, that they, holiness is not an attribute that I would assign to them. Right. And so if, if I understand holiness to say I'm, the presence of God is in your life, you're living in the presence of God, you're trying to live in the presence of God, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm holy. Praise God. And if I didn't think so, I wouldn't receive the Eucharist. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, because I know I'm not worthy, but that's not the point. The point is I'm really trying to follow Jesus, and it's through his grace that I'm saved, and I'm living out the fruits of that in my life. I was reflecting on this, and, and one of the things that really strikes me about the model of holiness that Jesus brings, um, you know, somebody once said, before Jesus, there wouldn't be a Mother Teresa you know, right? Like it, he was a man of the Beatitudes. It wasn't, he didn't replace the Ten Commandments with the Beatitudes. Sometimes people mm-hmm. go that direction. It's actually looking at the Ten Commandments through the Beatitudes. And, and the Catechism does this really beautifully. And right before it goes through the Ten Commandments, it looks at the Beatitudes because it is about that, yes. And it talks about the evangelical councils, uh, poverty, chastity, and obedience. And certainly you see the seeds of those in the Old Testament. But really, in a profound way, and, and not just Jesus, I would say the Holy Family, this idea of, 
an embrace of poverty, um, you know, an embrace of chastity, uh, obedience, right? Obedience to the Father, obedience to the will of God. And even though that's something, for example, Father Dave, that you've taken vows for, you know, the three knots on your, is it a cincher? Cord. Your cord. Um, you're the three knots on your court. I let Father Stan used to say, what did he used to say? Uh, no, money, no money, no honey. No honey, you can do and, what you're told. Yeah, exactly. Oh, he said, and a boss. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's what he said. Um, but actually, it's something that all of us are called to live in different ways. You know, I as a, well, a deacon, to be sure, but a married deacon with a family, my vow of poverty is going to look differently. Uh, it means I'm not going to just turn away all money, but it does mean I should be detached from money, mm-hmm. and I'm careful on the way I use money. Uh, I am married. But there's still chastity in that. There's still a virtue in that, the way I approach my wife, the way I'm looking at anything else, and obedience, you know? I mean, not just as a deacon with my own bishop, but even just to the church, to the faith, um, you know, to what the Lord is calling me to do. And, you know, I I often come back to those three councils and ask, Lord, how can I do that more? And even as we come up to Christmas, I I think of that as a beautiful—I mean, all three of them, right? Poverty, chastity, obedience. Like, it's all there— uh, at the nativity, you mm-hmm. know, where Mary was ever virgin before, during, and after. Uh, St. Joseph accepted Mary's virginity and, and protected it. Obviously, Jesus consecrated to the Lord. Uh, they're in poverty. They're going to end up in Nazareth. They didn't have to end up in Nazareth. Joseph probably was a pretty good carpenter. He could have gone to a major city, but they went to a boondocks place to try to protect Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, from Herod and the others. And then all of them obedience. The angel of the Lord appears to Mary. Uh, the angel appears to Joseph and Jesus himself, even in the garden, not my will, but yours be mm-hmm. done. So I think there's, I like that as a thought of what's the yes? How am I, how am I saying yes? And of course the world's, the world's temptation is, you know, money, sex, and power. Mm-hmm. And the image of Jesus is the exact opposite of that. And that's a model. Yeah. Amen. amen. Yeah. I think that. What was that, that like taking those vows for you though? I mean, was that. Was that a big deal, or was that yeah, like it's, you were it's already? Interesting. It's interesting, and in, in, in maybe an analogy that is is I think helpful is that, you know, in the same. So the day I take my vows, I hopefully I'm living more obediently than I was then. I'm living more chaste than I was then. Yeah. I'm living more poorly than I was then. So it's not just you take the vows and it magically happens. And and I would say the same in marriage is, right. is that you know the day after you get married you're coming to understand what it is to be married, what it is to be in a marital covenant relationship with another person. And I would say the same thing with holiness is mm-hmm. that, is that hopefully I'm, there's a deeper level of holiness in my life now than there was. So as I grow, as I've grown in the vows, as I've, you know, when I take the vows, I mean, yes, I take them out. I know basically what it means, but I could speak much differently about what it meant now, right. you know, 30 years later than it did when I was a 20 some year old kid. Right. So in, in, in a, again, the same with, with holiness is that I am living, I am working towards a life of holiness. But again, I would just stress again that there has to be this moment that we as individuals, we claim that. We say, you know, that, that this is what I desire. I, I desire to be holy. I desire to be set apart. I desire to live. And ultimately, it says more about the Lord. I think we do some dangers as one that we compare. It's not, I'm as holy. I'm not as holy as that person. Well, mm-hmm. You just pray that the Lord does in them what the Lord is going to do. What is he asking of you, right? So holiness says more about my relationship with God and his relationship with me and ultimately about his work in me. I can't be holy just by making up my mind to be holy. 
It's not merely a decision, but it is the saying yes to the grace and the transformation that God wants to pour out on us. And, and, and we've all experienced that. You know, we've experienced people that we've met that there's just something about them, right? Yeah. And it, regardless, I th- in my own life, I think of a friend of my mom and dad's. I think, I think he had maybe a, he was a Native American, maybe a fifth grade, eighth grade education or something like that. One of the holiest, most beautiful people I know. So what, what makes holiness? It makes, it's not about education. It's not about merely knowledge, as you stated. It's not just about not doing things. It's about relationship with God and letting that transform us and in us become more like the Beatitudes, like you said. Amen. Amen. So Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful that you sent your Son, your only begotten Son, into this world so that we would have this model, that we would know what it means to be like you and baptized in that grace. May we die to ourselves and rise to the new life that Jesus is inviting us into. Just ask your blessing on all of our listeners uh, out there, especially those that might be struggling with the loss of a loved one. Bless us all on this journey towards Advent that our preparation for Christmas might not just be in material things, but also in spiritual things, that we would grow in love of you and certainly love of each other. And may the blessing of Almighty God be upon all of you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless, Bob. God bless, Father Dave. And thank you all for listening. Feel free to shoot us an email with prayer requests or anything you might want us to talk about. Hope at franciscan.edu. That's hope at franciscan.edu. God bless. God bless you guys. Rice or no rice. Birdseed. Bubbles. 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 That is more common.